Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. You young people tonight, just be thankful that your parents are teaching you the Bible and have you in church. That is a blessing to be brought up with Christian parents, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful, glorious verse? There's only one wisdom you really need to be uh, made wise unto, and that's salvation. That's a that's a beautiful gift from God. Now look at verse number 16. All scripture was given by inspiration of God. Except it doesn't say was given, doesn't it? <laughs> it says all scripture is given by God, by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works we don't have scripture that was back then but now today well we just don't know what it is or where it's at or who to trust or what to trust it is given that means right now what we are reading is scripture that is given by god we can believe it we can trust it and i want to get a hold of that thought tonight we looked at last sunday uh this idea of, well, we, we don't really have God's word. All we really have, the best we have, is a translation. We just have a copy of the Bible, but it, it really isn't inspired. It's just a translation. And after all, a translation can't really be inspired, can it? So we're going to try to get some understanding of that tonight. You've heard it before. Inspiration means God breathed. It's God authored. Men are writing, but who's really the author behind that? God. God is. But it's really more than that. Because the Bible doesn't just stand on a pedestal where that pedestal is labeled inspiration. And okay, here's the Bible. You know, one pedestal, inspiration, God's word. It's actually two pillars. Inspiration, one pillar. Preservation, the other pillar. You've got to have both to get a good understanding. Both are necessary for us to say that we have in our hands an infallible word of God. And if you remove one of those pillars, it falls and it crumbles. And men may say they have an in, they, they have the infallible word of God, but if they don't believe in inspiration and preservation, it just falls apart. Not because God's Bible is infallible, but if people don't perceive it as infallible, then all they all they really think that they are looking at or reading. Is just a man written document. All we can really say is, well, 
we put our best hope and faith that we could in the men that translated. But after all, they're just men and they're just a translation. I don't look at the Bible like that. Because I don't have my faith in men. I don't have my faith in translators. My faith is in God. And we're going to look at that tonight. If scripture is not inspired by God, then guess what? The preservation of that scripture doesn't matter. You've got nothing to preserve. <laughs> now, if God did not preserve what he inspired, if he didn't preserve it, then guess what? We have no we have no book we can hold in our hand that we can say is without error. The only people that can say that would be those that held in their hand original manuscripts. Those would be the only people that could say, man, we've got the real thing. And that would be a real short list. Uh, that'd be a real short list. Inspiration, God breathed. But without preservation, all we have, all we have, all we're reading from tonight is a man written document. And yeah, thousands of people say, well, we've got a translation. That's the best we've got. They don't really believe they have an infallible book that they're reading from and that they're holding in their hand. The best they got is a translation. Genesis chapter number two. So that first thought I want you to come away with tonight is inspiration, yes. But don't look at it as one pedestal. Look at it as two pillars, inspiration and preservation and both are extremely important. In Genesis chapter number two, we see the first attack on the authority of the word of God in verse number 16. Watch what the Bible says. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die everybody's familiar with that go to genesis chapter number three probably only seven or eight verses away from well look at let's look at verse number one now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the lord god had made and he said unto the woman yea hath god said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Let's notice some things that if you haven't already noticed them, let's draw them out. Look at verse number. Oh, where is it? Look at verse number two in the middle of the verse. It says, 
the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit. But in Genesis chapter 2, God said, thou mayest freely eat. You know what the subtle attack on the word of God was in that whole situation? They took out one word, freely. Freely. That's important. Watch what it says um, in, in verse number three. Uh, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. But you know what God said? Thou shalt surely die. So you have freely and surely removed in the first three chapters of the Bible. The first attack made on the word of God shows up in the early chapters of the book of Genesis. And one more thing, the woman added, neither shall ye touch it. We didn't see that back in Genesis 2, did we? We see it in Genesis chapter 3. Why? The woman added it. The taking away and the adding is called, I don't have a final authority. It's just what I think or just what I want to say or just what I want to add. So we see that here. And that whole thing ended up in a mess. I'm just telling you, that is going to be the result Every time someone tries to change or correct or alter the word of God, we end up in a mess. Most doctrinal errors end up because people have changed the scripture. And so we want to be careful of that. But I just want you to see that principle in Genesis 2 and Genesis chapter number 3. People say, well... We have all these Bibles. Can't we just agree that we get the general idea? Except they had the general idea in Genesis. And the general idea wasn't what God was going for. He wanted all the words there to be obeyed and listened to. So we might have a general idea. But we have a God that told us. He wants us to listen and obey to all that he said. If you are a, uh, if you are in the military, if you're pl flying airplanes or plan to fly airplanes, the enemy's greatest attack to you as a fighter pilot would be what? To knock out your lines of communication. If you don't have a line of communication, the enemy as the upper hand. You know what Satan's first line of attack is? He's our enemy. He wants to knock out your communication line between you and God. And I really believe in this day and age, especially the attack on the word of God has been knocking out the communication line that God's people have with him. They got so many versions nowadays. I don't even know what they all are. But apparently each time one comes out, well, now we really got the word of God. <laughs> now we really have a, you know, they advertise them with, you know, well, this is French milled paper. <laughs> As if the paper has something to do with. 
You know, there's so many different leathers now. You get a really nice leather one. I don't even have real leather, but I got the word of God. I believe I do. Lack of faith is the problem. This is why Christians today believe that they can't hold in their hands something that is without error. And they'll say, yes, oh, God inspired his word, but on the same breath or the same mindset, they somehow don't believe that God could have preserved what he inspired. We don't have a second inspiration or a double inspiration or an advanced inspiration. We have one inspiration. And then we have a promise of preservation. We have two pillars. God inspired his word. He breathed out his word. And he preserved it all throughout the ages. We're going to look at some different views of inspiration tonight. Number one, the first view is this. That man writes, God approves. And so now you have an, ins an, an inspired book. People of this worldview will say that the Bible is just an open revelation. New scripture can be added and that new scripture or that new text or that new book or whatever it is really is just what lines up with their worldview or their philosophy. <laughs> so that worldview's out. You know what the center is on that? The book's the center, the book. The Bible's just, the Bible's a good book, but it's just a, it is the good book, but this philosophy that, well, the Bible's a good book along with other good books, as if there's even a second or a third or a fourth. There's not even a participation award that can go out that would come close to what we have in our hands. And people just don't want to believe the Bible. They want to bring it down to man's corrupt thinking and put other pieces of literature alongside of it and say, yeah, it's a good book too. And you know, that's not the case. The second view of inspiration is this. An inspired man will write and then we'll have an inspired book. Man writes words as God directs. Now we're getting a little closer now with that thought, right? Except there's a couple of problems. God inspired certain men to write. Is that correct? Yes. But did everything that those men write, was it all inspired? No. And we're going to look at some examples. This view doesn't put the book as the center. This view puts the man as the center. Um, example here. You can say that Paul penned words that were inspired by God. We all believe that, right? But we can't say everything that Paul wrote was inspired. What we have in this book is... But not all the writings of Paul was inspired. It's not an inspired man that we look to. Uh, go to Colossians chapter 4 and, and, and you'll see an example of this. Colossians 
Colossians chapter number four, verse number 16. Uh, it says. Colossians four sixteen, and when this epistle is read among you. Calls that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans. And that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So everybody turn in your Bible to the book of the epistle of the Laodiceans. We can't because it's not there. Was Paul a man that was inspired by God to pen some words down? Yes. But everything that Paul wrote wasn't inspired, meaning that epistle from Laodicea wasn't inspired of God. Colossians 4 was. And you know what we're reading here in that verse? We're not looking to men and those men's writings because everything they wrote wasn't inspired by God. It's not a man-centered view of inspiration. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. And as you're turning there, let me ask you this. If I were to say, if I made a blunder and said, turn to 3 Corinthians. <laughs> or if I said, turn to the book of 3 Corinthians. You would all look at me like you're looking at me now. What are you talking about? There is no book of 3 Corinthians. Or is there? <laughs> what in the world are you talking about? Well, let's see what I'm talking about. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. Look at verse number 9. You're going to have to really read this carefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 9. The Bible says, I wrote unto you. In this epistle, no, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Now, what's penned here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, is inspired. But apparently, Paul wrote to them in an epistle. And he said in that epistle not to company with fornicators. He had to have written it before he penned this down because he says, look, I wrote to you. I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company, with fornicators. If he hadn't already written it in the letter, why would he reference it here that he wrote it? But it's not inspired. Now, verse number nine is in 1 Corinthians chapter five. So you know what we have? You know what the point is? If Paul indeed did write three letters, to the Corinthians, guess how many were inspired by God? That'd be two. It's not the man and everything he writes. It makes sense. Paul was inspired by God to pen some things down, but everything that Paul penned down was not inspired. Go to Second Second Corinthians thirteen. See, let's see here. See if this makes sense. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse number one, it says, this is the third time I am coming to you. Now, 
is this him visiting them or is this him is this him visiting him in them in person or is this paul writing to them for the third time which one is it it's a bit of a confusing verse read by itself so let's see if we can get a little bit more truth go back into the previous chapter second corinthians 12 verse number 14 watch what it says in second corinthians 12 verse 14 it says behold the third time i am ready to come to you it seems like in the 12th chapter behold the third time i am ready to come to you it seems like he visited them three times in person in the context here and then by the time we read through the rest of the chapter and get to the beginning of verse number 13 it says i am ready to come to you it seems like he's ready to visit them referencing to another writing why would he say it twice seems to me it would be a different context which leads me to the point i'm trying to make it seems like in chapter 12 he had three visits to him chapter 13 it seems like he's referencing he had three writings to him if he indeed did have three writings to the corinthians how many of those books are inspired two An inspired man doesn't mean that everything he writes is inspired. That'd be a man-centered view. Um, I believe that the correct view would be divine inspiration. Written words are produced. Those written words are produced. And then those written words are preserved. And now we have not a book as the center, not a man as the center. We have God Almighty as the center. And if those words are penned, and God cannot preserve those words, then all we have is just a book. All we have is just a translation. But I believe design, but divine, uh, divine inspiration starts with God, ends with God. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. It's scripture. It's all scripture. Why? Because it starts with God and it ends with God. And every argument that I hear against the King James Bible, it's always people attacking a translator. It's always people attacking men. It's always people saying the character of a man or these men found better this or older that. Or did you know the translators were this type of people? And did you know the church fathers? Why do you keep telling me about men? I don't have any faith or trust in men. I believe that God divinely inspired his word 
and throughout all the ages as corrupt men moved in and burned Bibles and burned people that believed the Bible and all of that. And Moses is breaking copies and copies are being cut with a pen knife and thrown in a fire and all of that. I'm trusting God to preserve it. I'm not trusting man. And we got to get a hold of that idea because it's not anything to do with man. Same way your salvation has nothing to do with man. God uses man. And God uses a book. God can use sinful man, men. He's done throughout the ages. I trust most here tonight are saved. Um, and if you're saved, you know you were saved from sin. But after you got saved, did you still sin? <laughs> yeah, you did. And praise the Lord, you know, a, a husband is saved and then, you know, and then, you know, husband and wife, they get married. None of them are saved. Husband gets saved. Praise the Lord. Wife gets saved. Praise the Lord. And the next week, they have an argument. Welcome to life. Welcome to marriage. Because of sin. What do you think? They're not saved? No. And after that argument, they're going to go out and they're going to do some public ministry and they're going to tell somebody about the Lord. You mean to tell me the Lord can't use those two sinful people? We're all scrambled eggs. And God said he's going to use us in his work despite all of our flaws, despite all of our sin, because we're not asking people to put their faith and trust in us. Look and live. And it's the same idea with his word. He inspired it and he will preserve it. It doesn't matter how many sinful, corrupt men get a hold of it or try to mess with it. Our faith and trust is in God, not men, not translators, not Paul, not Moses, not James. Our trust is in God. Go to First Samuel. Let's look at um, let's look at three more passages of Scripture. First Samuel twenty four. First Samuel 24, verse number 12. The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. As saith the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but my hand shall not be upon thee. Okay, everybody turn to the book of the proverb of the ancients. We can't turn to the book of the Proverbs of the Ancients because it's not in the Bible. I'd like to get a hold of that book of the Proverbs of the Ancients, wouldn't you? <laughs> 
And if we got a if we got a if we got a hold of the proverb of ancients, that'd be pretty cool. And we might be able to put it on eBay and get a boatload of money on it and use this verse to say, oh, we found great. You found something as if you as a man discovered something that should be in the Bible. And now all of a sudden we were able to bring it together. And now we have no. Apparently. This verse now, here's an interesting question. When this was written in the proverb of ancients. Was it inspired then? Or was it inspired when it was penned down here? I don't know. I'm, I'm asking. I'm not telling. I don't know. But you got to admit, this proverb of ancients, we don't have a book to turn to. But this little portion of that proverb was inspired by God. And it says, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but my hand shall not be upon thee. That's all I got. I do know this. They're in the book of 1 Samuel because God was the origin. God was the inspiration. I know they're there because of God. Look at Acts chapter number 17. Any of you kids write poetry? You have to do poetry for school. Okay. Well, let's read Acts 17, verse 28. Uh, start at verse 27. Acts 17, verse 27, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our own being, as certain also of your own poets have said. I want to know who these poets are. This is all we got on it. For we are also his offspring. And we don't have any more. That's all we have from the poets right here. My faith and trust is in those poets. I don't need to go find what else these poets wrote. Because whatever else they wrote, it's not the poet that was inspired. So all of his writings aren't inspired. But what, what they said here, these few words, God put it in his book. That is what was inspired. Inspiration of God. God is the origin. You've got to have preservation. Because if he didn't preserve what he inspired, then yes, the critics are correct. Look, all we've got is a translation. You've got to have inspiration. You've got to have preservation. The original writings were inspired. And when Moses had a handful of original writings written with the finger of God, how did that turn out? They were smashed. Oh, no, we've lost the word of God. Well, God did a redo. And nobody has those redos. Because they've been gone away with as well. You have got to have preservation. You've got to have it. 
This book that I hold in my hand I don't have a new inspiration. You know what I have? A preservation. God inspired his word and the same God that inspired his word is powerful enough to preserve it. I have exactly what the original autograph said in English that I can read and decipher and work through and I can say, turn to this book, turn to this chapter. And we're not sitting trying to share papyrus or <laughs> manuscripts that parchment and all that was so rare and so valuable. You can just go down to Staples and you can have a thousand copies printed now. Paper, parchment, papyrus, all that. Those things were so valuable. They're trying to fit as much as they can on one piece. That's why you have these minuscule and majuscule manuscripts where they're all crunched together. Why? Because they're trying to use every single piece of the pit. I can put line spaces on my notes. We got it so good, we got something to work with. Now you tell me God wasn't in that. I just don't believe it. He was 100% in the preservation of his word. It's only God. Timing it right after the printing press. I mean, that's a miracle. Have somebody be able to have a printing press. Preservation isn't new words. It's God using corrupt and sinful men to preserve the words that he is already inspired. Last verse, Psalm 119. And then I will be done. I hope you're all getting this. Hope it's making sense. How'd you get the breath of life? How'd Adam get the breath of life? God. God. God breathed life into him. You know how the nation is going to get life again? God's going to breathe on that nation. And they're going to, that nation's going to come back alive. You know what God does with his word? It's God breathed. And he gives it life. In him is life. Life. Psalm 119, and we'll finish with this verse. Psalm 119, verse number. No, that's not it. I wrote down the wrong verse. Maybe I was typing too fast. Let's look at Psalm 19. No. No, wait a minute. Okay, I was right. Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 140. Did I say verse 140 or verse 14? Anyway, Psalm 119, verse number 140. The Bible says, last verse we'll look at, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant 
loveth it. But the men that handle it aren't pure. I'm not pure. You're not pure. But the very words of God are pure. And look what it ends with. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. And I'm telling you, if there's one thing Satan hates, we looked at in the beginning of the message. He hates the word of God and is going to correct it and change it. If there's one thing this world hates. It's the word of God. They want to get rid of it. They want to get. Go into the library and see how many secular uh, books on humanism you can find. You're not going to find you're not going to find many copies of the word of God. We're in the middle of preaching. Jimmy, I just wanted to say thank you, man. God bless you for today. I'm going to pray. We love you. Thank you. Okay. I've never been interrupted like that before. <laughs> Look, the words of the Lord are very pure. And thy servant loveth. I lost my train of thought. Thy servant loveth it. If there's one thing, one thing that you should fall in love with in this world. Young people, pay attention, please. Because there's so many things that are vying for your attention and trying to get you to fall in love with. with. There's so many idols to fall in love with. Thy word is very pure. If there's one thing you would fall in love with here, down here on earth, it's it's the author of this book. I'm telling you, you want a church to grow. You want a family to grow. You want people to get on fire for evangelism. You want to really have a sweet spirit at a church house. You want to have a sweet spirit in the community when you go out and be a light. Fall in love with the author of this book. <laughs> you fall in love with this author. You're going to fight less. You're going to bicker less. Why? Because you're in love with God. I'm telling you, that's the solution to a lot of the stuff we deal with. Just fall in love with the author of the book. His words are very pure. will never let you down. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.